your car is broken too There's only one thing you wanna do Open your mouth and let it spew But I am telling you, stay positive When you're baking a cake for your family Your kids are hopped up on caffeine Your fluffy cake is now kinda lean Remember, don't be mean, stay positive I don't know if any of you shared this, but I know that there are millions of people around our country every single morning that their good mood is powered by this little word that has six letters in it called coffee. There, yeah, like you wake up in the morning, I have a wonderful, energetic, beautiful, amazing, um, positive wife, but until she has her coffee in the morning, it is, and she's not in here right now, so I can say this, she's not quite as positive and energetic as the person that you guys know so well. She, I, there's a reason why on Sunday mornings, I get up extra early to drive into Washington to go to Impress to get her a latte so that she can have all the energy and sugar that she needs. Actually, it's because I love her. But, and I get myself a breakfast pizza while I'm there. We have, we have a lot of little tricks that we use. And you know, many times we come into this building and we kind of have this idea that when you come in here, you've gotta have it all together, right? Like if somebody, if you're walking through the, the little entryway back there and someone looks at you and says, good morning, how you doing? What do you say back to them? I'm fine, I'm good, it's all great, because we feel like that's what we should say. How many of you, when was the last time you asked somebody or somebody asked you how you doing and the response was, well, actually, let me tell you about my week. Let me tell you about how I'm really feeling right now. And if you ask that question and somebody starts responding with that, you're like, oh no, what what did I just step into right now? Like, I wasn't ready for this. But we do, we walk in here and we feel like we've gotta be fine. And that, that song, I don't know, it, several people shared that on their Facebook uh, post not too long, or on their Facebook feed not too long ago. It's on the radio all the time. If you listen to Caleb, that you know, Matthew West just singing those words about how when we come in here, we feel like we've got to be okay. You know, there are a, there's a type of person, if you study personality types at all, and I've been doing a little bit more of that lately, um, but if you, if you study personality types at all, you know, or if you've just lived life, you know that there is a type of person that just seems to be positive. Like all the time. Every time you're around them, they just have this great outlook on life. So there are a lot of people right now with this little thing that happened on Tuesday in our country. And then as we've gone through the entire week and we've sort of kind of maybe figured something out. I don't know if we have or not. I saw this, I gotta say, I, got, I saw this awesome meme of an alien coming down to planet Earth and coming out and he's got his sign that says, take me to your leader. And there's like this dude standing there in front of him. He's like, well, that's kind of a complicated one right now. Like, but there's a lot of people right now who, I mean, they're excited because they got what they wanted. But then there's another group of people who's maybe not as excited because they didn't get what they want. And within that group of people, there's some who are looking at, you know what, there's a lot of positive that is still going on in our world. And they can look at the positive things that are going on in our world. And then in that subset of people, there are those people who are like, all is done, let's just give up, 
there's no point in trying anymore. Our world is going down the tanker. We might as well just, you know, pack it all in and move to Canada or some other place or I don't know. It's just, it's over. Our kids are going to have the worst life in the world. And I ask you, which one of those people would you rather be around? Now, you might want to be around the second person because you want to be sharing those same thoughts too and misery loves company. And so you're like, well, I want to be around the negative person right now that'll just feed into my negativity because that makes me feel good, I guess, to have, no. Isn't it so much more encouraging right now to be around the person who's actually willing to look at the positive things in life the things that we can look at that are good in the midst of everything that's going on, whether they like what's going on or not, they're able to look at what is still good. You know, and there are those people that it doesn't matter what life throws at them. It's like, oh, it, it's fine. You know, th their car breaks down on the side of the road and they're thinking, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to have an opportunity to talk to the person who stops to help me. Like, this is going to be fantastic. You know, or... Uh, they, they get sick and they have to stay home and they're like, well, this is great. I get to have days off from work. I mean, yes, I'm puking my guts up, but I get to not go to work for a couple days. Like, this is amazing. It's, you have rain and you have a group of people who are like, oh, man, it's raining again and it's all muggy and it's all, you know, it's miserable outside. And that same rain for a different group of people is like, oh, thank God, I get a day off from going out and harvesting for just a little bit. Or, or this is, you know, at the right time of year, this is going to be good for our crops. The same situation affecting different people in different ways based on how we look at it. Isn't that so true? So we come in here, though, and we feel like, We've got to be okay. And what I want to talk to us a little bit about this morning is I believe that it is important to have a positive outlook on life. But I also believe that it is vital for us to be honest about what's going on in life. And sometimes we are just not okay. And that is okay. In Psalm chapter 13, if you want to turn there, uh, we're going to read some words from a guy that, you know, he lived a long, long time ago. We know him from stories where he killed the giant named Goliath. We know him uh, from stories about how, you know, he's, uh, Jesus is in the line of King David, and he was the, the king over all of Israel. We know him from his other name of he was the man after God's own heart. But before he became king, he had, a, he had some trials in life, and during these trials in life, he had to run. Like he was running literally for his life because the then king, King Saul, was trying to kill him. He was trying to take him out before this guy could ever become king himself, which, you know, you can understand why King Saul wasn't David's biggest fan when he knew a little bit of what was coming, and he kind of liked his spot, and he kind of wanted his family to keep that role so he's going after King David, and King David, rather than just sitting there all the time being like, you know what I really love? I really love hiding in caves that are dark and musty, and it's full of a bunch of other dudes who have been running around, so let's face it, it didn't smell good in those caves. But, you know, I just really love the smell of a stinky person who's next to me and all their armor and, and their sweat. No. David instead wrote words like this every now and then. In Psalm chapter 13, he says, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? 
Turn and answer me, O Lord. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. David, this man after God's own heart, was echoing a similar sentiment to what Elijah felt during his time when he had this great and awesome victory where he proved that the God that he served, the God that he spoke about, the God that he prophesied about was the real God, where they had this this awesome competition on top of a mountain to prove who was the real God. And I'm going to make a really long and awesome story short, Elijah won. And there was no doubt whatsoever. And then Elijah had to run. And then Elijah found himself in a spot where he's sitting there and he's talking to God. He's like, God, it's only me. I'm the only one in the world who cares about you and who loves you and believes in you. Woe is me, God. Woe is me. Similar to the words that Jesus echoed when he was on a cross. And he called out to God. He said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Or Paul, a little bit later, as we read farther into what we call the Bible, Paul, you know, the guy who we say wrote half the New Testament and and taught us a lot of what we know and what we believe. Paul, who said that I've got this wound, I've got this, this thorn in my flesh And I just want it to be gone, but God won't take it away. None of those stories come across as real like, hey, you know what? How you doing? I'm good. It's all great. Like, I love hiding in this cave. You know what I love doing? I love hanging on a cross, bleeding out. This is awesome. This is incredible. Or, you know, I I love feeling like I am the only person who still feels this way. It's all good. No, they were honest about how they felt. They didn't have to walk into a building or they didn't have to walk among a people and lie and say that they were great and it was all good. Instead, they were honest. I, uh, I, I tend to fall in the category of the person who looks at a positive outlook on things and a positive spin on things. And I, I'm glad that I do. Um, I don't, you know, I'm not apologizing for that by any means, but I'm the type of person that if complaints come in, I tend to be able to, to look through and see what's behind complaints. Or if, if hard times in life come along, I'm able to look through and see where's the good in this. I love being able to do that. But there was a day that, that I refer to as the day that Tegan stopped breathing where I wasn't able to do that. I, um, so I, I went to work just like I, I normally did. This is back when we lived in Tulsa in 2015. And I went into work on this day thinking it was just like every other day when I got a phone call from my wife. And I got a phone call from Sarah as I'm sitting in the office. And our office was, it was actually a house that had been converted into offices. So I was in one bedroom and the senior pastor was in another bedroom right across the hallway from me. And I get this phone call from Sarah saying, I don't know what's going on with Tegan, but she won't respond. We were just sitting here on the couch and we were reading, and all of a sudden, like, Tegan is just, I, I can't get anything out of her. And, you know, I'm sitting here like, I'm, I'm sure it's fine, just relax. You know, she didn't sleep real well last night, it's okay. And as we're talking, she says, Justin, Tegan's not breathing anymore. I can't get her to breathe. Justin, her lips are turning purple right now. And at that point, 
I went into to a different kind of overdrive, and I, I told her, hang up the phone with me. I am no good. I'm 10 miles away. Hang up the phone with me and get on nine, call 911. And so I hang up my phone, and I just, I run out of my office, and I just, I look in, and I look in at Pastor Dale, who's one of my closest friends, and I say, something's wrong with Tegan, I've got to go. And I sprint out the door. Like, you know, you have those times in your life where it's not at all what you're thinking about, but you remember every little detail of what happens. Like, I remember every detail of running out that door and running down the handicap ramp and running around the corner and running into the parking lot and jumping in the car. I remember the drive home on a 40-mile-per-hour road flying by a student driver when I'm going about 80, maybe 85, and thinking in the back of my mind, I wonder what that professor is telling that student driver right now. Has not, I mean, I, I didn't laugh about it. I didn't giggle about it. I, I, I laugh about it now as I look back. But I remember distinctly thinking that question in my mind. But what I remember more than anything else is the entire ride home saying, God, take care of my baby girl. God, don't make this the day that I only have one child instead of two. God, please don't take her away from us. By the time I got home, Sarah was, as you would probably expect, hysterical at that point. Tegan had started breathing again, but Sarah was just in hysterics. And so when I walked in, being as strong as I can possibly be, possibly be and I don't mean by like muscles or anything, but I walked over and I took Tegan and Sarah found a corner. Sarah found a corner and she had been holding it together for Keely for that entire time. Sarah went to the corner and just broke. Well, I had to stay strong because I still had something that needed to be done. And I had an older daughter that needed to see that it was going to be okay. And so I did, and I held it together, and the EMTs came in, the, uh, the fire department came in, and they started, they started looking her over, they started taking her temperature and checking her blood oxygen and all these different types of things that they do. I don't even know what all of it is. They loaded her up, they got her in an ambulance, and by this point, because Dale and I were so close, he had called his wife, who is Sarah's closest friend in Tulsa, and by this point, Lori was there. Lori was ready to take over and watch Keeley. Sarah jumped in the ambulance to ride to the hospital with Tegan, which was about 20 or so miles, or 20 or so minutes away, and I got in a car, and I followed behind. And that's when I got on the phone, and I called my parents, and I have, I've shared this, I think, with you before, but I have a dad who's one of those, those man's men, you know. I didn't see him cry very often. And because of that, I didn't want him to see me cry very often. And it wasn't because he ever made, it, made us feel like it was weak or anything. It just, we didn't see him do it. And so I didn't want him to see me do it. I wanted him to see me as as tough as he was. And I got on the phone and nobody answered. And I started leaving a voicemail and just broke. That was that point where I finally got to that moment in this story where it's like, you know what? I'm not okay. And as I'm leaving this voicemail for my parents, I can't imagine what it would feel like on their end of things to listen to this voicemail from their son who they haven't seen cry a whole lot in his older years at least and to hear him barely be able to explain to them what's going on because he can't get through the tears that are just pouring out. 
We ended up, um, we got to the hospital, and they ran some tests. They, they put her in the, the CAT scan thing, and they, they had the, the nodes hooked up all over her head, and you know, there's some pictures going there, but I ended up staying the night uh, with her so that Sarah could go home and maybe get a little bit of sleep. And I mean, Sarah fought me on that one, but that, I'm a pretty stubborn person, so I, I won out on that one. And when it was all said and done, they told us, we think that she had this kind of a seizure, but we really don't know. So the best we can tell you is if she ever spikes a fever, just give her something. Don't let it get over 100. Just give her something. A couple of months later, we got to play the whole thing over again. And we walked out, and it was still a, we think it's this, but there's, we just, we don't know. You know, that was, that was five years ago. She hasn't had one since. Um, I mean, she's Tegan, so she does some weird things, and sometimes we're not really sure what she's doing, but she hasn't had a seizure like that, at least, since then. But in those days leading up to that, I so badly, when people came in to visit in the hospital, or when we went back to church, or people are posting on Facebook, how are you guys, how are you doing? I so badly just wanted to tell them the truth. But instead, I kept telling them, we're good. You know, we trust God in this. God's got this. God's gonna work something out, it's okay. You know, it, it wasn't as bad as it sounds, it's fine, and I downplayed it. And as I look back, I think, man, why wasn't I just honest? Why didn't I just tell the people who are supposed to care about me more than anybody else, my family and my church family, why didn't I just tell them, look, I'm not okay. I know she doesn't have this you know, big major, or at least we don't think she has this big major thing, and, and she's probably gonna be fine, and the doctors seem pretty confident that she's gonna be okay, but, but I'm not okay. I'm a dad who's supposed to be able to protect his kid, and, and I realized really fast in that moment, I can't all the time. And that rocked me to the core. And that wasn't like one of those moments where I went to God and I was like, God, I just want you to know we're all good. I didn't go to him upset. I didn't go to him angry or anything like that. But instead, I just went to him and was like, God, I know you have this under control. Instead of going to him and saying, God, I'm confused. God, I don't like this. God, I would love to have some answers. But I tried to sugarcoat it even with God who already knew how I was feeling. And that's the same thing that I've done in situations in my life since then, and that's the same thing that many of us do all the time. We try and act as if we're okay, when in reality, we're not. You know, because we feel like as a follower of Christ, we should be full of joy. Like we're told in scripture that, that when you follow him, he will give you peace and he will give you joy. And we've convinced ourselves that peace and joy is the same thing as always feeling happy and always being upbeat and always just, you know, walking around being like, everything's good, everything's awesome. I'm walking through a field of, you know, sunflowers or whatever it is that you love to walk through a field of. Everything's great. But peace and joy aren't the same as feeling like every single moment, everything is great. And we have throughout the entirety of scripture examples 
of men and women who followed God, men and women who gave them everything they had. The very Son of God set the example that sometimes it's okay to just not be okay. That we have a God who we can be completely honest with. And this should be a place where we can be completely honest with how we're feeling. I sat in on a group on Wednesday night, a group of a bunch of boys, not typically known as a group of people who are going to be real open with emotions and, you know, honest with feelings and things like that. And what I sat in on was a group of guys who were willing to open up about parts of their life that just aren't okay. You know, the way they shared them, he could tell there was still a little bit of that, but, but you know, the, this is fine. This is okay. It's not a big deal. You know, I'm, I'm tough. It's okay. But you could still see the underlying theme of, man, I wish it wasn't this way. And the questions of why does it have to be this way. Church, I want to encourage you that it's okay to be honest about that. In fact, I believe that one of the things about staying positive in life, and when I say positive, I don't necessarily mean you walk around and everything is sunshine and rainbows, but staying positive and being able to look towards hope and look you know, inward to this, this peace that, that the Spirit gives us, that one of the keys to being able to do that is to just be honest. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with each other. Be honest with the God who already knows how you feel. Job, if you have read the story of Job in the Old Testament, was honest with how he felt. Now, he didn't lose sight of who was God and who God was and who God is, but he was honest about how he felt. And I think that's, that's one of the key. We've got to be honest. We have to still remember who God is in that moment, but remember also that we can tell him our true feelings and how we're truly dealing with things. David finished up in Psalm chapter 13. He says, But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. David didn't lose sight about how good God is and who God is and what God could do for him, but he also wasn't afraid to tell God how he was feeling. He understood that God gave him those emotions. God gives us emotion, the ability to have emotions and the ability to have feelings. And he recognized those while remembering who God is. And we can do that same thing. We can do that same thing with each other. We can do that same thing with him. Now, what I, what I don't want to do is do what I've heard so many pastors do before and what I've been guilty of doing before when I've spoken to students is just say, you know what? The way to get through the hard times in your life is you just gotta have faith and you just gotta believe and you just gotta stay focused. I believe that you have to do those things. But I believe that there are other things that sometimes we have to do also. I, I, I'm, I myself... I'm not a big journaler, but for some people, writing down your thoughts is going to help you immensely. 
finding that group of people that you can talk to about it and you can just lay it all out there is gonna help immensely. And sometimes the anxiety and the stress and the fear gets so great that we might need to seek professional counseling. And for so long in the church, I think that was kind of viewed as this thing of you don't have enough faith if you need to seek counseling from a professional counselor. Or if you need to go on medication, well, you're putting your faith in medication instead of in God. And I hope that as a church we've turned the corner on those things. I know it opened up my eyes when I found out that my grandfather, who'd been a pastor for 50 years, and it was one of the most positive people that I'd ever been around. Like, I remember going and doing, like, the, the water-waiting, swimming thing with him at the YMCA in the mornings, and I absolutely hated it. But he would do that for, like, an hour. And I remember just the jokes that he would tell and the laughter that, that would be around him. But I found out years later in his life that there was actually a point in his life where he had had to go on antidepressant medication because the pressures in life had just hit him so hard. And he didn't put his faith in the pills, but he just needed a little bit of something to help him focus on what was real and what was true in the first place. And when I heard that, wait a second, my grandpa did that? Like, but, but my grandpa is one of the most faith-filled people that I know. And it forced me to stop and ask myself, maybe, maybe that's okay. Now, I'm not saying that just because my grandparents do it that that makes it okay. There's a lot of things that my grandparents do that aren't okay. But I also want to be clear that sometimes we just need help. And we have to be willing to get the help that we need. And so if you're struggling, whether it be from family issues whether it be from illness, sickness, whether it be from fear over the, the many things that our country and our world has gone through over the past year. I encourage you, not necessarily go straight to counseling or straight to medication, but I encourage you to find some ways to deal with that, some healthy ways to deal with that. Find people that you can talk to that you can be open and you can be honest with. And if you need more than that, find professional counseling. And I don't just mean, now I would love to talk to you and I would love to offer you what I can, but sometimes it's gotta go beyond what a pastor can give. It's gotta go a little bit farther into the people who are licensed and, and we, we call them professionals for a reason in this. Don't just say, you know what, this is just how it's gonna be and I'm just gonna lie to everybody around me, and I'm just gonna walk out, and I'm gonna say, it's fine, you know I'm fine, hey, I'm fine, it's fine, I'm all right, when inside you're saying, I'm broken. Jesus, when he was on the cross, he did ask, he did ask his father, why have you forsaken me? But you know, he also said, into your hands, I commit my spirit. He didn't give up on his God when he felt that way. Paul said that even in these weaknesses that I have that I wish that I could get over, I understand that Jesus is made perfect in the weaknesses that I have because that's how strong he is. And he didn't forget that. Elijah was told there is a remnant of people out there and I'm actually gonna take you to them. So when he opened up and he told God how he felt, God was there to answer him. 
It might not always be the answer that we want. It might not be the solution that we want. But God is there to answer us. Matthew chapter 11, I'm going to finish with this. In Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. Church, I can say with almost 100% certainty that there are those of us who are sitting in here today who are carrying around burdens that we so badly want to let go of, that we so badly need rest. And praying about it isn't getting us all the way there. And just having faith isn't getting us all the way there because we haven't stopped to be honest about it. We haven't stopped to be honest with ourselves by saying, I've got doubts. We haven't stopped to be honest with ourselves and others to say that I've got pain. We haven't stopped to be honest with ourselves and others to say that I've got temptations. We haven't stopped to be honest with ourselves and others to say I'm not okay. And if we want to stay positive and we want to have joy and we want to have peace and we want to have the rest that Jesus promises, I believe that we've got to be honest. And I believe that the more honest we are, those of us who come here week after week after week, I believe that the community that surrounds us will begin to see that this is a place where it's okay to not be okay. I don't have to have it all together when I walk into that building because those people, they have struggles. And those people, they have pain. And those people have doubts. And those people have temptations. Those people that go to that church that sits on that corner, sometimes they're not okay. And that's okay. So I can go there and I can be not okay too. We have a God we have a Savior who promised that he would give us rest. And we have a Savior who promised us that he would give us victory over the things that we struggle with. But if we want to stay positive and we want to be able to look on the, to the bright side of things, whatever you want to call it, we've got to be honest. We have up here, and this is going to be, we're going to leave these up here for a while, if not forever. Uh, but last week, one of the things that we did is we set up some candles up here and we invited you to use those candles just as a symbol of your prayer. And this morning, I would invite you that if you are carrying around a burden, if you are carrying around a struggle, to come up and use that candle again as a symbol of your prayer. And it's also, let's be real, it's a symbol to everybody else in here that there's a part of my life that I'm not okay and I'm willing to admit that. I'm willing to admit that I'm not okay so that we can all know 
that we can pray for you. And as you leave here today, or if you have a Sharpie, I don't think we laid them out, but I would encourage you to look at the back wall. Look at the reminders that are there week after week now about God's goodness and God's greatness that we can use as a reminder for ourselves as to how awesome he is. The band's gonna sing one more song for us this morning, and you're obviously welcome to join in. You're welcome to come to the altars or the front rows or to, to use the candles to go read the walls again. And just say, God, you know what? I'm not okay. Or maybe, maybe you are okay this morning. And I want you to know that that, it's okay to be okay. And in your strength right now, perhaps God's saying, I need you to help that person who isn't. I need you in the spot in your life that you're at right now, not just to sit there and be like, it's all great, but instead to go to somebody who's hurting and say, I can actually help you walk through this right now because I'm in a healthy spot. It's okay either way.